Come on in. Looking really nice. He is, isn't he? I love that moment when he comes out into the arena and he's like, wings he's out. He's excited, his wings are out. Yeah. It's possibly the most bizarre looking bird of prey you'll ever see. And certainly one of the largest. With a great crown of long feathers upon their head and long legs standing them at almost four feet tall, the secretary bird looks as if it'd be more at home in Jurassic Park or the artwork of a Dr. Zeus book. But these birds are very real and very much alive today. Hello, I'm Tom Morath, and this is Nature's A Hoot. In this episode, I'm going to discover more about the secretary bird, a bird so strikingly different from any other bird of prey that it's often mistaken for a mythical or fictional creature. But whilst they might look like a fantastic beast, they belong very much in the real, natural world rather than in the pages of the Harry Potter books. I wanted to get as close as I could to the secretary bird's famous killer kick. And what better way to do that than by catching up with my colleague Mike Riley, who's worked with secretary birds at the Trust for 27 years. I think they're lovely, one of my favourite birds to work with they are. Mike has been working with Angola, a five-year-old male secretary bird, to get him ready for our Wings of Africa flying display during the summer season. Angola has been trained to kick a rubber snake on command to show everybody this incredible talent they have. And that meant I could get really close with my microphone. I reckon he might kick your microphone. <laughs> wow. Drives his back talon and hallux into the back of the top of the snake's head. That's so powerful, isn't it? <laughs> and the force is incredible when you can hear him up close. I'll rescue my microphone now. <laughs> I did think he was going to go around and kick that, didn't you? Ray yeah. circled it. <laughs> the secretary bird, endemic to Africa, is one of the largest birds of prey in the world. Standing a little over a metre at their tallest, they are adapted to prowl through the tall savannah grasses of sub-Saharan Africa in search of a meal. For the most part, they're hunting for small prey. Insects, spiders and other invertebrates, small mammals and small birds. But on occasion, the secretary bird hunts for prey a little more on the dangerous side giving the secretary bird a fearsome reputation. A look at this species' scientific name offers a clue as to what this prey might be. Sagittarius serpentarius. They are surprisingly tricky to describe for a species that when you see it is so enigmatic and actually for hundreds of years taxonomists just didn't know what to do with them. There's not many species which have been moved around this sort of positioning within the avian kingdom as a secretary bird. And I think I've always settled on the idea that basically imagine an angrier looking buzzard or an eagle on stilts that's trained in martial arts. And that's, I think, how I would describe a secretary bird. Dr. Steve Portugal, 
is a scientist whose work focuses on how animals adapt to the challenges they find within their environment. We met him last time, during our episode all about vultures. Steve and his team of PhD and master's students from Royal Holloway at the University of London have a particular interest in the physiology and anatomy of animals that they study. One such study brought Steve to work alongside our conservation research department and our bird team at the Hawk Conservancy Trust when he came to study a very special bird indeed. That bird was, uh, had more character and anger than most, most things I've ever interacted with. It was a, a very fun piece of work, not just working with Madeline but just the team in general and the equipment. My favourite thing I think from the trip was how a group of scientists, a group of people that have worked with these species for years, didn't think that perhaps having flexes everywhere in an enclosure with a species that likes to kill snakes might pose an issue. Uh, we set everything up and, and these pieces of equipment, some of it's like 45,000 pounds worth of equipment, he came striding out and just immediately trashed all the flexes and we had to go right back to square one, think about it all again, use more fake grass to cover various flexes. Uh, once we solved that um, it all worked rather well and, and you couldn't really ask for more. He, he, he really kicked the, the, the hell out of that snake on the force plate. So yeah, it was super fun. And I'd actually known Madeline for a very long time. Uh, I came here many, many years ago when Madeline was still reasonably young. So it was sort of yeah, early nineties. So I have a slightly bizarre long connection with him until he uh, passed away. But yeah, it was a magical few days. Now, let me clear something up. Secretary birds are not flightless. They have large wings measuring around two meters and they fly very much like an eagle, wings spread and set, often using thermals to travel greater distances where required. But they do often choose to be ambulatory, walking on their long legs rather than using their wings to get around. Steve told me that he was keen to find out more about the way a secretary bird moves, and particularly how they dispatch their prey. Now I must point out that when I spoke to Steve, we were standing not too far away from a bird called Sweeney Todd. She's a snowy owl. She'll be making a very loud, piercing call in the background. I just didn't want you to go away thinking that that's what a secretary bird sounds like, because it's not. In fact, this is what a secretary bird sounds like. So apologies for Sweeney Todd, but also enjoy the beautiful call of the snowy owl in this next part of the show. So normally when we do a study, it involves, you know, large sample sizes, multiple individuals, very clear hypotheses and various things like this. This study was a little unusual in that we went in really wanting to either you know, prove or disprove some anecdotes that are floating around about this species. So you could read these older texts which talk about, you know, they had the, the force to break the hand of a, a human, that they, they kill cheetah cubs just by kicking them, you know, which would require a fair amount of force. And I guess really it was like, is that likely? I'd like to measure the force of this kick. And you can't do it in the wild. If you go into, you know, somewhere in South Africa, put out one force plate and hope that maybe in the next 100 years, the secretary bird might wander past. The only option really was to go somewhere like the Hawker Servancy, where you've got these trained birds that are kicking, not actual snakes. So, you know, you're not, you're not sacrificing snakes in the name of science uh, and actually measure that that force kick so yeah it was really 
looking at ane anecdotes and seeing if there's any truth to them. And so the stage was set, for Madeline to kick the rubber snake and for us to gather that all-important data. I asked Steve whether the team managed to gather any interesting results from the study. We did, and it did surprise us. Um, it's roughly 195 newtons, and that's always quite hard to interpret. So we actually convert that to body weights. So uh, Madeline was able to kick six times his own body weight, which is a, an awful lot. But what was more impressive about it is he does it, all, all secretary birds, from a static position. So that force is being generated just by stamping their legs. If you think how most birds of prey hunt, for example, the force they generate is often through gravity and momentum. They're dropping out the sky. People that kind of do karate kicks are actually winding up and moving their body. Secretary birds to stand pretty still, actually, or remarkably still, and just kick from, you know, with just using their tendons and their, their muscular force. What was actually more surprising and more impressive than the force itself was the incredibly brief time it takes for them to transfer that force. So their foot was only in contact with the snake on average around 8 to 12 milliseconds. So it takes 150 milliseconds to blink your eye for example. So they were somehow able to transfer six times their own body weight with only the, the most incredibly small amount of time in contact with the snake itself and that actually surprised us more than the force itself. It's pretty clear that the secretary bird has an incredibly fast, incredibly powerful kick. But why does it need to be quite as fast as it is? It's quite unusual to have sort of predator on predator. Uh, obviously predators interact and they'll chase each other off things and there'll be the kind of a hierarchy there, but they're not normally hunting each other. Uh, obviously a secretary bird is hunting at times venomous snakes and yeah, one, one wrong kick, if you give that snake time to rear up and bite you, then it's not gonna go very well. So it's quite a, an unusual dynamic to have Two, two animals that could potentially harm each other um, interacting in such a way and that, that is likely what's driving this, this very rapid contact time. Research makes up a large part of the work that we do at the Hawk Conservancy Trust in pursuit of achieving our mission to conserve birds of prey and their habitats. It's no secret that when we better understand the species we're hoping to protect we have a much better chance of succeeding. Although we don't work specifically with secretary birds in the wild, as much of our overseas projects is focused on vultures, and you can find out more information about that in our previous episode, by the way, we're still always keen to understand more about bird of prey species, particularly when it's a species classified as endangered, with its population experiencing severe declines in recent years, just like the secretary bird. These threats are probably things like habitat degradation, disturbance and capture for trade. I managed to catch up with Dr Campbell Mern, the Head of Conservation and Research at the Hawk Conservancy Trust, to ask him what threats he thought might be facing the secretary birds into the future. Well secretary birds was a species, is a species that kind of went under the radar for a little while and it was quite a few years ago now that there was um, it's a bit of a long story, but there was an application to export some secretary birds from Tanzania. And the Bird Atlas Coordinator in Tanzania had to kind of do an approval of that to show that it wasn't going to have a negative impact on the population of secretary birds. And, and they wrote around lots of people and said, you know, what's your current status with secretary birds? This was across their range. 
and lots of people wrote back and said, do you know what, I don't think I've seen one for about five years. And that's when the alarm bells started to go off, and that was a few years ago now. So there were some papers published highlighting the threats, or, or the, the status change, really. And it was a bit confusing because, generally speaking, secretary birds are quite po- uh, popular, for want of a better word. People don't have an axe to grind with, they, like they do other birds of prey. They don't, they're not poultry killers. They're not, um, you know, birds of prey that cause conflict with people. So there's been a lot of question marks over what's actually the cause of their decline. And where we, where we do a lot of work in Kruger National Park, the population of secretary birds there has declined as well. And this is in a really large protected area. So the threats that they might be facing elsewhere, people have suggested agricultural chemicals, um, impacts on the, some of their insect prey, because a big part of their diet is invertebrates, not just snail. I mean, they're famous for the snakes, but they catch lots of other things too. So... Um, habitat change but really they haven't seen that transformation over the recent decades that you'd expect to see a big change in population so it's a little bit unclear as to what the main drivers are of secretary bird decline and there's still a lot to find out in terms of their movements and dispersals so there's uh, people at BirdLife South Africa have done a lot of work on tracking studies understanding the movements of birds post-fledging but we're really just starting to try and build a picture of what what the reason is. Now, right at the beginning of this programme, I mentioned that the secretary bird might fit in alongside the likes of the Velociraptor and the T-Rex in the Jurassic Park films. This may not be entirely true, but it seems that the secretary bird might hold the key to reconstructing the hunting and feeding habits of the terror birds. These animals are long extinct, but in life they would have stood some eight feet tall. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's guesswork a little because unfortunately or maybe not unfortunately maybe fortunately we don't have terror birds wandering around the countryside anymore but when you look at the skeleton of a of a terror bird it looks a bit like a secretary bird sort of on steroids you know it's kind of a a souped up version of it and the posture of terror birds is very upright so when you look at say emus and, and ostriches their posture isn't that upright actually their bodies are actually quite sort of flat they're kind of yeah they properly look like little dinosaurs almost which, which of course on some level they are uh, but terror birds are very upright which matches more the posture that a secretary bird naturally adapts uh, in certain circumstances which made me wonder if you know this would have been quite a way that terror birds would have also hunted uh, their prey relying quite heavily on kicking uh, they had more impressive beaks the terror birds so it's quite possible that also came in pretty handy uh, but I, I think looking at their morphology it's possible that there is quite a link there and it's quite quite terrifying to think what forces the terror birds could produce. Um, it probably could have happily hunted secretary birds. Having a better understanding of the evolution of species and the uncovering of links between modern animals and their ancestors can be useful in helping us unpick how and why certain species may have evolved with particular characteristics and behaviours. But Steve hoped that his research might go a step further and have other interesting applications. A lot of, for example, ways that people have developed robotics, artificial intelligence, um, even artificial limbs, has been based using a biomimetics approach, i.e. being inspired by nature and seeing what nature's solution to this problem is. And it's quite possible that, for example, how 
secretary birds can deliver such a force yet have what look like pathetically quite quite weak legs in comparison you know um, it may offer some ways to help there in terms of delivering high force but not necessarily with large thick muscular legs so something special to do with their tendons for example uh, so they certainly offer some avenues for exploration there as well. Steve is very clearly at the top of his game when it comes to studying species and their adaptations. Working with our conservation research team, our birds and those of us who work directly with them is a match made in heaven. But what I really want to know is the answer to one very important recurring question for us here on Nature's A Hoot. Steve, if you were a bird of prey, what bird of prey would you be? I don't think I, I think I have to choose two for this actually and I think the reason is on a on weekdays Monday to Friday I think I probably like a merlin or a hobby uh, basically quite quite hyperactive um, pinging around all over the place but possibly also not always looking like I know what's going on <laughs> and looking nervous about it as a result um, but at weekends I think I would be more like a like a Californian condor or something just looking to minimize energy expenditure floating around um, looking for easy food like a, you know I can't even bother to feed myself I want it to just be dead already and, and drop on it so a bit of a split personality there between weekends and uh, weekdays. I think we can all sympathize with that can't we? A split personality from weekday to weekend and not really want to be bothered to find your own food on the weekends. The Merlin and the Californian Condor are Steve's choices. Nice one. The secretary bird really is a species like no other. Having worked with several individuals over the years, my colleagues and I on the bird team at the Hawk Conservancy Trust know just how special these birds can be. I'm always keen to watch the reaction of our visitors to the Trust when the secretary bird appears in the arena, walking as if on stilts through the long grasses of our very own savannah. Even more predictable are the gasps of astounded humour that follow the first impact of the secretary bird's foot on the top of our rubber snake's head. It's possible to hear the power of the secretary bird's kick at close quarters and I am never left in any doubt that this species is an ultimate predator. Next time, I'll be investigating arguably the most intelligent birds of prey in the world, the caracaras. I'll be finding out just how smart they are and how their brain power might have evolved to help them survive where other birds cannot. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Steve Portugal, for his time and support in putting this episode together. If you want to know more about the ethical research we undertake with our on-site living collection, you can find loads more on our website, hawk-conservancy.org. Or perhaps pay us a visit, if you get the chance, and come and see Angola, our secretary bird, in action during the Wings of Africa flying display. Lots more Bird of Prey content can also be found on our social media pages. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and even TikTok. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and perhaps consider leaving us a review wherever you get your podcast. It really does help. Thank you. Mm -hmm.